Good morning, Journey. Hope you are doing well today. Uh, welcome to those if this is your first time here at The Journey. Uh, we're glad that you are here. My name is Chad. I'm the lead pastor here, and we'd love for you to fill out that connection card that's in the seat in front of you. Uh, at the end of our time today, you can go out into the lobby, and right outside there's a table there that uh, you can stop by, and they would love to answer any questions you may have about the church. Uh, and they will also trade you your information for Journey t-shirts. So we love giving those away. But we are glad that you're here. I know some of you are probably here visiting with family. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Hope you're not traveling today because it doesn't seem like it's going to be a great day to travel, right? So wait till tomorrow if you can do that. But we'd like for you to do that. Uh, a couple things I want to bring to your attention as we head into this Christmas season. Next Sunday night, all right, if you're a parent, listen to me. Next Sunday night, we have Parents' Night Out, Okay. So next Sunday, December the 8th, from 5 to 7.30 p.m., we have a group of our teenagers who are going to be here. They're going to have adult supervision, so don't worry about that. Um, they're going to be here watching your kids, but you have to sign up to do this, all right? Today is the last day to sign up or until it's full. Um, this means you can go out with your spouse if, if you're married. If you're not, whatever you want to do, you can go shopping for Christmas. You can just go on a date, whatever you want to do. Use this as a time to get away for a little bit as our teens watch your kids and take care of them. They make it a lot of fun. They'll have a great time. You have to sign up today. You can do that through the Journey Church app. You can go on there and sign up today. Space is limited. There's going to be like three of you. You're going to show up next Sunday night with your kids. Like, hey, we're here for parents' night out. And they're going to be like, sorry, you got to take your kids with you. So make sure you sign up to do that today. The other thing I want to bring your attention to talk about the app for a second. Um, we have a brand new app we're going to be coming out with here at the beginning of 2020. Uh, it's going to be a lot better, works better with our database system that we have in place. I know that's real boring talk, but, um, but it's going to be great. We're looking forward to that. But a part of that is our giving method when you go to our website is going to be different. Uh, so if you give online through our website, that's going to be different. Uh, so make sure if you've got questions, you can contact us, Alyssa, E-L-I-S-S-A, at thejourneynova.org. So you can answer any of those questions you may have. Contact us in the office. Uh, but there's, you can text to give. You can do all kinds of different ways. Just so you know, that is changing here starting this week. In fact, it's already different on the website. But if you've got questions about that, you can contact us here. The other thing I want to bring your attention, Christmas Eve services. Over the past few years, we've done two services on Christmas. Christmas Eve. Um, last year, we were pushing the limits. In fact, one service, we were over the limit for fire marshal code. And so we'd really hate for them to come in like, hey, you can't celebrate Christmas because there's too many people in here. Um, so we're changing that to three services on Christmas Eve. This coming Christmas on the 24th, 230, 345, and 5. There are no kids' classes. Everybody's going to be in here. Services are going to be about 45 minutes long. Uh, so we hope you come to celebrate with us on Christmas Eve. We're going to make it fun and enjoyable. Um, even for your kids, and so it'll be family-friendly. And so we're looking forward to that. We'll get out some cards to you shortly so you can start inviting people to come and be a part of Christmas Eve. So exciting things that, that are happening. Um, talking about Christmas, we start our Christmas series today. It's called Christmas at the Movies. And some of you are like, you can't do that in church. You can, it's okay, all right? Because if you think about it, when it comes to movies, movies really are about us. Uh, movies are all about humanity. They're, they're, they talk about the faults that we have and the, the beauty of humanity. And that's what movies are really all about. So here at this Christmas season, over the next four weeks, we are going to look at four Christmas classic movies, right? And, and we're going to talk about how these affect us as humanity, what we see about ourselves within these movies. But the more important part is they're connected to the story of Jesus Christ and the birth of that little baby. 
And so again, over the next four weeks, we're going to bring all this together with Advent. We're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about peace. We're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about love. So just stay with us. It's going to be a fun time. Now, I, I know when I say Christmas classic movies, certain movies come to mind, right? You're probably thinking, It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Carol, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, Die Hard. I mean, these are... These are the movies that you think about when you think about the Christmas classics. Die Hard would be fun, but we're not going to do Die Hard this year. These are actually Chad's Christmas classics, okay? And when it comes to Christmas movies, I don't want to see the Hallmark mess. I, I want to see real Christmas movies, movies that make you laugh. And so over the next four weeks, we are going to look at Christmas Vacation. We're going to look at Elf. We're going to look at Home Alone. And today, we're going to start by looking at this movie. A Christmas Story. Some of you are like, man, I've never seen that movie before. TBS is going to show it 445 times here in a couple of weeks, okay? <laughs> Straight on through. You can spend like two weeks of your life, miss it all, because they will show this. Um, I think when this movie came out, from what I understand, what I've read, it actually wasn't very popular. It didn't do very well in the theaters, but it's become sort of this cult classic. And when it comes on, it's hard for me to turn the channel because this is one of my favorite Christmas movies. Now, if you haven't seen the story, let me give you a quick little background. Story's about Ralphie and his family. This is Ralphie right here with the glasses on. Uh, his, his family's weird. They're strange, dysfunctional, just like all of our families, right? So pretty normal family is what we, we look at when we watch the Christmas story. But it's really about Ralphie and his one present he wants more than any other thing, the Red Ryder BB gun. And so if you know the movie, you know that this movie is all about him trying to acquire this, this, this BB gun for Christmas. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, let me just, just take a moment. Let's, let's stop, and I want you to watch the trailer to give you a little bit of a background to the story. So take a look at this. This reminds you of your family when you see that? Anybody? Yeah. Um, this story, again, it's about Ralphie, but it's about him waiting. And, and here he is. He's, he's waiting for this one gift. Christmas is about waiting. I mean, think about it. We start making this Christmas list, usually now about Labor Day. I think we start working on it. We've kind of forgotten about the other holidays, but we start putting this Christmas list together. Here are the gifts I want. Here's kind of what I desire for Christmas. And once you put that list together, the waiting begins, right? Because you got to December 25th to wait until you get that gift. And so there's the waiting that's with the, the Christmas list that you have, and there's waiting when you go shopping, and you got to find a parking spot, and then you got to wait at the register. I mean, there's waiting that happens there. There's waiting even the day before Christmas. Because on Christmas Eve, you know, maybe you go to church somewhere, you come here, and, and you go home, and if you got kids, and there's a few presents underneath the trees, because Santa hasn't come yet, and, and you look under the tree, kids are like, hey, can we open one present? You're like, no, 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 you got to wait till tomorrow. And then the morning comes, the Christmas morning comes, and, and let's just be honest, there's a little bit of waiting that happens there, because mom and dad, you're like, I got to get some coffee before we do this, and it's like 4.30 in the morning, they're wide awake, and you're ready to go, and so you got to wait a little bit, but finally you get to open the presents. And in that moment, the waiting is over. But Christmas is about waiting. And so is our, our life. Look, our lives are all about waiting. I don't know what it is in your life that, that you are waiting for. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a home. Uh, maybe it's a certain income. Maybe there's some relationship that needs to be mended. Maybe there's healing that needs to take place. That in our lives, there are things that you and I are waiting for. And in the waiting, we're looking for help. In the waiting, we're looking for answers. And maybe we're looking for something to fill the emptiness that's, that's deep down inside of us. 
It kind of reminds me of that Christmas tune by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, The Waiting is the Hardest Part. You know that tune, right? But it is. The waiting is the hardest part. We can't seem to wait. Here are these things that we want, and so we push as hard as we can to, to make those things come true. We're not good at waiting. We're not good at being patient. And what we find sometimes is that when we're not patient and when we're waiting and we take matters into our own hands, we can make some, some pretty poor decisions. Or, or we go and try to find someone who can help us fulfill this, this need that we have. In our movie, that's what Ralphie does. Ralphie wants this BB gun, and his mom and dad have really good boundaries. We talked about this last week. He has really good boundaries. He's like, no, you're not going to get this BB gun. And so Ralphie's like, well, if mom and dad aren't going to do this, then I can't buy it myself. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Santa, and Santa's going to take care of this for me. Take a look at this clip from the movie, A Christmas Story. You got a pretty good system going on in that place, don't they? Tell you a story about a boy named Benjamin. He wanted a baby sister for Christmas, and so he one day gets down at the table and he takes a piece of paper and a pencil and he starts writing and he writing this letter to God. And he says, "Hey, dear God, I have been a very good boy." And he looks at those words and he's like, "That's not even true." God knows this isn't true, so he takes the piece of paper, he crumples it up, he throws it in the trash. So he grabs another piece of paper and a pencil and he starts writing again. He's like, dear God, I've been a pretty good boy. He looks at that and he's like, man, that's not even true either. God knows I'm lying. I mean, it's been a terrible year. So he crumples up that piece of paper and he, he throws it away. And so he's trying to come up with this, this idea. How do I fix this? I mean, how do I make this happen? So he goes to the bathroom and he grabs a towel. He grows, goes to the nativity scene. He grabs Mary. He takes Mary. He puts Mary in the towel. He wraps it up. He ties it up. And he sits down again at this piece of paper with a pencil. And he starts writing. He says, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good idea, by the way. But uh, Benjamin's taking things in his own hands, right? And so many times we do the same thing. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. We try to take matters into our own hands. Ralphie does that in our movie. Benjamin does that as he's writing this letter. And you and I tend to do this in our own lives. But we don't want to wait. Because this is all about my time and it's not about God's timing. If we look in Scripture and the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of stories of people waiting. And the very first time we kind of come across this is with Abraham. Abraham is there. God shows up in his life, and Abraham, or God tells Abraham, like, hey, I got these promises for you, buddy. You're going to be a great name. You're going to be a great nation. And people are going to be blessed because of, of you. Now, the issue was that Abraham didn't have any children. He and Sarah were older. Uh, she was barren. She was never able to have children. And so Abraham, I'm sure, is kind of like, what is this? I mean, is this a joke? Because this, this just can't happen. God's like, no, these are promises that I am making to you. You're, you're going to have a son. And Abraham starts waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, he and Sarah are like, well, God doesn't seem to be moving, so maybe we need to move. And so they, they start making things happen and things happen. And it doesn't turn out very well for everybody if you know the story. But God has made this promise to them. God has said, look, I'm going to give you this son. All these promises I've made, they're going to come true. And finally, when Abraham is 100 years old, his wife Sarah is 90, she becomes pregnant. They have a son. They name him Isaac. And then these promises began to come to fruition for Abraham. But there's that last promise. You're going to be a blessing to all people that Abraham never got to see come to fulfillment. 
In fact, the people of Abraham, the Jewish people, for 42 generations, they never saw this promise come true. This promise of this blessing, this promise of the Messiah. And so 42 generations have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come. And so it's a story of waiting, but I think there's another story that's a part of, of what we are talking about here, and even with the Jewish people, that there is hope. See, Christmas isn't just about waiting. Christmas is also about hope. It's about hope. We read about this hope in the book of Luke in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 2. We'll get there in a second. Let me kind of set this up for you. We, we have these two individuals. They're very young, Mary and Joseph. Mary's probably a teenager. Joseph is maybe a teenager, more likely in his early 20s. They're young, and then all of a sudden something crazy has happened. She's become pregnant, and she's like, hey, the God made this happen. And Joseph's like, well, we haven't been together, so I don't know how this, is, how this took place or who this guy was. And Mary's like, no, no, it was, it was God, and an angel shows up to Joseph, and it was God. And, and I'm sure Joseph is like, okay, but this still seems kind of strange. And so I can't even imagine being young like that and the tension that is there in that relationship. I mean, they would have had to, to need a, a really, really good marriage counselor to deal with this because <laughs> no one really deals with that kind of stuff happening in their life, right? And so she's pregnant. Joseph's not the dad. They've been told by God and by God's angels, hey, this is, this is the Messiah. This is the, the hope that, that we've been talking about or you've been, you've been planning on for generations. This is that hope. And yet there's sort of this struggle that's there, I think, deep down within them. Jesus is now 40 days old, and they have to take him to the temple for this purification process. And that's where we're going to start reading our story today in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 22. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Of course, we'll put it on the screens. Uh, you can follow along on your Journey Church app. But Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 22, here's what we read. It says, Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Some of you in 2020, you're going to make a decision to, um, to read through the Bible, okay? And, uh, and you're going to start in Genesis because you're like, that's where I'm supposed to start. And you're going to start reading Genesis. And, and you're like, man, Genesis is actually really good. It's a good book to read. It's one I always recommend to people. Then you're going to get to Exodus, and you're going to be like, it's pretty good. It's not great. It's kind of lost some of its luster, but still some good stuff happened here. And then you're going to go to Leviticus. You're like, I am never reading this book again because this is horrible because Leviticus is just it's full of rules and laws and regulations, and there's good stuff in there, but it's actually kind of boring. In Leviticus chapter 12, we read about this purification process, and there were two steps to it for everyone who had a, a child, specifically if you had a son. The first step, you would go to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate your child. You, you couldn't go to your local synagogue. You had to travel from wherever you live to the temple there in Jerusalem. For Mary and Joseph, this was about a 140-mile trek for them from their homeland. Um, that would have taken them in that day and time about a week to get there. I want you to imagine, and again, I tell you this all the time, step into the story. What do you think that was like? 40-day-year-old kid, right, traveling, and, and they're not going by airplane. They're not going by car or bus or train. They're probably walking, maybe a donkey if they were lucky, but more than likely they were walking. She's carrying this kid. He's helping carry the kid. They're trying to make it. There's this tension that's already there. 
And there's a 40-day-year-old kid that they're carrying with them. And so I can imagine there's a lot of tension in the air. It's probably a struggle there, but they've got to do this. So they get to the temple there in Jerusalem. And when they get there, part of the dedication ceremony was as a parent, you would say these words, my child is not only mine, but God's. They were setting this child apart. They were setting Jesus apart. We, we do that here when we do our child dedications. We're saying the same thing. Hey, we're setting our kid apart. We, we want our kid to grow up in a Christ-like home. And for them, we want our kid to grow up in a, a God-fearing home. And so they're dedicating their child. And that's the first thing they would do. But the second part of this process was you had to make a sacrifice. Now, if you look at Leviticus 12, there's two options here. The first option is you take a one-year-old lamb, you would sacrifice it and two pigeons or two turtle doves. The second option was just two pigeons or two turtle doves. And the reason was that first option really was for those that had means. If you had money, if you were wealthy because the lambs were not cheap, uh, you could afford to do that. I find it interesting that Luke throws us in there. Luke wants to remind us that Jesus didn't grow up in royalty, that he didn't grow up in some wealthy family. And that's what they would have wanted for this Messiah. They, they would have thought that the Messiah would come from this, this wealthy family, but, but he doesn't. He comes out of poverty. And so really is a reminder to us that that's what Jesus grew up with. Jesus grew up in poverty. And so when Jesus talks about poverty and Jesus talks about the poor and he preaches about that in his older, or when he's older, when he's doing his ministry over those three plus years, he, he knows that life. He, he's lived that out. He's experienced that. And so he's coming from a place of, of how he, he grew up. But again, this was part of that purification process. They offered up the two turtle doves or the two young pigeons. Look at verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Here we have Mary and Joseph. They're at the temple that day. They've made it there on their trek. Again, putting herself into the story. Young, um, this kid that they have did not come in wedlock. Maybe there were some family members, long-lost cousins and stuff that were there, and they were kind of afraid of being seen. I kind of imagine them carrying those pigeons or turtle doves and kind of hiding them so nobody would see them there and maybe just kind of walking along the outskirts of of the temple wall because they're embarrassed we don't have a whole lot we're nobodies i mean then we've got this thing that's kind of happened and we don't really we don't know how to explain it to anybody and so we find them there in this temple courtyard and they're walking to go make this sacrifice and then this guy named simeon shows up now, we can gather from what we read here that Simeon is not, he's not young. Uh, he, he's probably old. In fact, he's probably so old, his social security number is like number one, right? I mean, this is how old this dude is. Some traditions say he was about 200 years old. Uh, I really don't think that's the case. Luke's a doctor. Luke is writing this. If the guy was 200 years old, I'm pretty sure Luke would have put like medical marvel Simeon into the story. I think he's old based on generations in, in that day and time. So he's an older guy, but what's so important here is not his age. It says that he's righteous and devout. He's righteous, and actually that's the next part there, isn't it? Nope, where am I? Yes, he's righteous and devout. It means he's a follower of God. He's following God. Read what it says here. It says, waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. 
This is what he's been waiting for. So Simeon's waiting for this. The Jewish people have been waiting for this for 42 generations. And for some reason, Simeon has been told that he will see the Messiah before the Messiah comes. Look at verse 27. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God. Simeon gets to the temple and the Holy Spirit, one, prods him to go there. And so he shows up there. He probably didn't run there. He probably shuffled there. But he, he gets there and he's at the temple. And as he's there, he sees this family and he knows, he knows this as a Messiah. Now, how does he know this? Mary and Joseph aren't wearing shirts of like, you know, kind of dad, mom, Messiah, right? Mary and Joseph aren't wearing shirts that say something like proud parents of the Messiah. Your kid really ain't nothing, right? I mean, this isn't what they're wearing. There's nothing. Again, I think they're, they're kind of embarrassed and kind of hiding. Simeon sees them and he goes right over to them. And he says, hey, can I hold your boy? They're probably like, can we get a background check? Because we don't know you, dude. References, something to help us out here. For some reason, they oblige, though. And they hand Jesus over to, to this guy they don't know, this guy named Simeon. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was my wife and I in that, that moment, I'm sure we'd be like, here you go. And we'd probably looked at each other and kind of, what is going on? This is weird. This is strange. But, but this is what they do. They hand him over to Simeon. And then Simeon Simeon knows, Simeon knows that this is the Messiah. And so he, he prays this prayer in verse 29. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I've seen the Messiah. The wait is over. I can now die. The fulfillment of that waiting has now come to an end. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Do you notice what he says here? He says, this is the light for Israel, but he also says, and for all nations. Your, your translations may say Gentiles. He knows, he's like, this kid is going places. This kid is important. This kid is the Messiah. And this isn't just about me seeing the Messiah. This isn't just about me waiting. This isn't just about Israel waiting. This is for all humankind. That the wait is over. And the hope of the world is now here. I think hope was the thing that kept Simeon going. It wasn't the waiting. Because waiting's hard. Waiting's terrible. But it was hope in the waiting. That he had this hope that someday he would get a chance to see the Messiah. The hope of, of all humankind. And if you and I are honest with ourselves, hope is a powerful thing. Hope is a powerful thing because in the waiting, when we have hope, it might be the only thing that keeps us going. It could be the only thing that keeps us moving forward. See, when it comes to hope, hope changes the course of relationships. Hope changes marriages. Hope changes the way that we treat people. Hope changes our perspective of who we are. Hope changes our view of the future. And I believe hope gives us faith. Because hope is the thing that we hold on to that gives us the faith that we need to keep moving forward towards, towards this Messiah, towards Christ, towards Jesus. 
I think hope's the thing that drives our lives. Now, sometimes our hope is in peripheral stuff, temporal stuff. But hopefully our hope is in someone, and that someone is Jesus. This is what Simeon held on to. In the waiting, there was still hope. The hope for this Messiah. And that Messiah showed up in the form of Jesus. But I also think, this is the power of hope. Hope does something else. Hope not only affects us, but hope has the power to affect other people. Look at verse 33. Excuse me. He says, And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Mary and Joseph marveled in that moment about what Simeon had said about Jesus. Now put yourself back in this, this story. They're young. They've just traveled this long distance. There's probably some tension that's there. They're trying to figure things out. Yes, they've, they've had these angels talk to them, and, and they're probably still thinking, well, maybe. How do we truly know? I mean, because we're kind of looking at this kid, and this kid seems pretty normal. I mean, he's not levitating himself or anything like that to kind of show us that he's, he's this Messiah. He, he eats, he sleeps, he poops. Like every other kid that's this age, that he does the exact same thing. Some of you are like, oh can't say that about Jesus. Jesus ate, slept, and pooped, okay? This is what he did. He was a normal kid. And so he's this normal kid. And they're like, what's going on here? I I mean, what's happening? And then then Simeon says those words. He prays that prayer. And I think that is maybe the moment where they finally grasped the hope that was in that baby. They hear those words from someone else, someone they've never met, someone they don't know, some, some older gentleman who's devout and righteous who's following God the Holy Spirit's a part of his life he's like your child is the Messiah your child is the hope of all people and I wonder in that moment was that when hope finally entered into the life of Mary and Joseph when they were like wow we've been given a tough task we've been given an amazing task to be the caregivers of the Messiah of the world and in that they begin to live a life of hope themselves. Sometimes hope is all we have. Sometimes hope is the thing that we, we need. Because hope keeps us going. Hope keeps us moving forward. And hopefully hope connects us to Jesus. If we go back to our movie for a moment, Ralphie's been waiting and waiting and waiting. He's trying to figure things out. And he tries to take things into his own hands. And, and I, I think Ralphie still has hope, right? And so it's Christmas morning. All the presents have been opened. And Ralphie still doesn't have the perfect gift. Take a look at this clip from the movie. This part's so true. <laughs> Romans 4:18. Paul writes, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Even though there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. He kept hoping that these dreams would come true, these promises that were made would come true, and Again, he didn't really take the path he should have taken, but God held true to those promises. What is it that you're waiting on? Is it that you're waiting for that job, that home, that income? What is it? Because there's probably things out there we're all waiting for. We think it's going to fill the emptiness that we have, but it's really not. And we know that as soon as we experience them. We're like, oh, it was great for a moment, but then it's gone. So there's got to be something more. It has to be hope. That you and I have got to hold on to hope. Maybe for you this Christmas, you're hoping your kids will finally call you. 
that you haven't had a relationship with in a long time and, and you miss them and maybe there's some tension there. Highly recommend going back and listening to our last series, but, but maybe there's still hope. And I hope you're holding on to that. Maybe you hope the relationship with your parents will change. It's been broken for some time, but you still have that hope that's there. Or you hope your marriage will be mended or, or again, that emptiness would be filled. There's the waiting game, but the more important piece is the hope that we have. And you know where that hope comes from? It doesn't come from stuff. It doesn't come from somebody. It comes from Jesus Christ. Simeon waited and hoped, and God let him meet the Messiah. Abraham waited, kind of messed up, but he still had hope. And what did God do? God fulfilled those promises. You and I, we are going through life, and maybe we're waiting for something specific, and maybe we're waiting for this emptiness to be filled. Hey, guess what? There's hope. And that hope comes from that little baby. It comes from Jesus Christ. And so wherever you may be in your life right now, whatever your struggles may be, whatever emptiness you may feel, please know there's hope. It's there. We just got to grab onto it and hold on to that hope. Because at some point in time, in that waiting, through that hope, God will bring us the answers we're looking for. But it begins, begins with hope. That's why we celebrate communion here every single week at The Journey. It's a reminder that we have hope. That we have hope in our lives. That no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what we're struggling with, that there is still hope. And that hope is for us right now in the present. That hope is for our future. And that hope is for eternity. And so this morning, we're going to take this bread and we're going to take this juice together as a church community to be reminded that our hope comes through Jesus Christ. This is what we celebrate every single week. And I hope that you will find your hope in Christ too. I'm going to invite you right now to stand. We're going to sing. Actually, Gary's going to sing a song he wrote, rewrote last year. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. You're going to know the tune. Uh, feel free to sing along as you feel, feel like you can, but it's a beautiful, beautiful song. But as we do that, I'm going to invite you to the front or the back to grab the bread and juice. Take it back to your seats. Uh, remain standing. We're going to take this together. If you came prepared to give or you filled out a connection card, you can put it in the offering baskets in the front or in the back. But let's sing together as we take communion in this time of hope.